0: Hi, if you're just joining us, we're in a series talking about spiritual hunger and the glory of God and revelations and how all of these things fit together to really help us overcome dry seasons. That whenever we're in a season where we feel far from God, where we just feel like we're kind of disconnected a little bit, what do we do in those seasons? And this series really is meant to encompass the bigger questions there that really address our motivations behind it and how we really find our way out of those seasons. And this time what I really want to talk about is the necessity of spiritual hunger. And let me maybe explain it this way. See, we've all felt lost at sometimes. You know, we've all struggled with questions about our purpose. Maybe you've found yourself asking, "Why am I here? What's the point? What am I doing?" And to be frank, I think that you could describe this as a sense of dissatisfaction. We're no longer satisfied with where we're at, with what life has to offer to us. And while that might be a bit unpleasant, I think there's actually a, this is really the first step in an amazing and a powerful journey. You see, we're feeling the first hint of a desire for something more. We're becoming aware of an appetite that we have, a hunger not for physical things like food, but for spiritual things like meaning and purpose. Now we saw last time that the solution to this journey is found in the way that God has revealed himself, how he has revealed his glory to us. See, he doesn't tell us everything plainly. He asks us to press into the hunger that we have as we pursue revelation from him. You see, we, we saw the promise of how we will be changed when we search things out. As we behold his glory, we are transformed into his likeness and experience the fulfillment of our purpose, that we were made in the image of God. The pattern that's demonstrated here begins with our desire to search things out and ends with the promise that we will be satisfied. But that's not the only time that we see that promise in Scripture. In fact, over and over in the Scriptures, there's this theme of a promise to the hungry. Think about um, Jeremiah 29, verse 13. It says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, like we discussed in the first post, I think that this displays God's glory by showing us his character. That though he has an unapproachable glory about him, he has chosen to be approachable. And what I love most is what's required of us. And what is required of us to approach. What's required of us to receive these revelations. It's not intelligence and wisdom like we talked about in Luke 10, 21 a little while ago. But as we've seen, this revelation doesn't come from our own reading of the scriptures, so it doesn't take our intelligence. Instead, it comes from, a willing, from his willingness to reveal the truth to us as we seek. So if, if we don't need intelligence, then what do, we, what do we need to receive revelation? What is it that we need to really satisfy that? And the answer is pretty simple. The answer is spiritual hunger which I would describe as a relentless desire to know him. You see, God has really made this so simple. To know him, we must simply want to know him. And in that way, access to God isn't reserved for the smartest or the wisest or or just for some of us, but all of us have just as much opportunity to receive it. And in that way, I think it just shows his goodness and his kindness towards us. You see, we've seen here that as we pursue him, we are changed, that there is a promise to us when we search things out. And Jesus used this illustration of spiritual hunger several times in his ministry to show us this promise. Think about the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, 6, he tells us plainly that when we hunger for righteousness, we will be satisfied. That's a promise. He also demonstrates how he relied on that promise whenever he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. In Matthew four, starting in verse three, it talks about how Satan was tempting him and his answer, his response to Satan, whenever Satan tempts him to turn the stones into bread is that his his sustenance, his food, was doing the will of the Father. Every word that came from God was his sustenance. Then in John 4, verse 31, we have the story of the Samaritan woman, where Jesus tells the Samaritan woman the good news that he is the Messiah, that he's there to save her, that he's there to save them. And whenever the disciples come back, they say, hey, you haven't eaten anything here. You should, you should have a sandwich. Uh, his response is that he's full. He's already satisfied because he's been doing the will of the Father. So again, he just demonstrates this connection between physical hunger and spiritual hunger and how there is a promise that we will be satisfied. But I think the difficult thing about that is the promise actually cuts both ways. To be able to see him, to behold his glory, we must be hungry. We have so many promises in scripture that he will be with us, but sometimes it can feel hard to find him. We are promised that we will find him, like we saw in Jeremiah 29, 13. We also are promised that we will be satisfied, like we saw in Matthew 5, 6. And we're also promised that we will be given the Holy Spirit, that's Luke eleven thirteen. 13. However, all of those promises are given to us on conditions. We're promised that we, will receive, that we will find him when we seek him with all of our heart. We're promised that we will be satisfied when we hunger and thirst for it. We're promised that we will be given the Holy Spirit if we ask. You see, we know that this promise is trustworthy. So when we aren't seeing its fulfillment, whenever we aren't seeing that promise come true, then I think that leads us to ask a very important question am I truly seeking it with all of my heart? Am I really hungry for it? Am I wholeheartedly asking for it? And the question then is, how do I know if I am? The answer is actually in our actions. Let me explain what I mean. You see, we've seen here that there's this concept of spiritual hunger and how it's illustrated over and over to us as natural hunger throughout the Bible. So a little later, when the Apostle Paul teaches the Thessalonians about natural hunger, I think that we can interpret those same principles spiritually. You see, in this passage in 2 Thessalonians, Paul teaches several principles about what prevents someone from being able to eat. And since it's inspired text, those principles reflect the order that God upholds regarding eating. And I think that we can interpret that then not just about physically eating, but spiritually eating as well. Spiritually finding the sustenance like we've been talking about. Here's the theme of Paul's rebuke. This is in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10. He says, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. You see, if they didn't work, then they wouldn't eat. If they wanted to eat, they had to work. And I think that same principle applies spiritually. If we want to receive the food that nourishes our spirit, if we want to receive the revelation that deepens our understanding of God and changes us along the way, we have to be willing to work for it. This ties in well with the principle of spiritual hunger. It's just presented maybe a little bit more actively here. It's not enough to simply want revelation. We have to actively pursue it and work for it. But Paul doesn't stop there, and I'm glad that he doesn't. See, he goes on in that passage to describe the lifestyle that keeps a person from having the right to eat food. Every single principle that he talks, and he gets very specific, every single one that he talks about applies spiritually as well. See, these things also keep us from eating spiritually, from receiving the revelations that fuel our spiritual life. They tie in so well with this principle of spiritual hunger that we've already seen, but they go on to add such exact clarity for us about it. They help us understand what specifically prevents us from receiving the spiritual food of revelation, what prevents us from receiving a word from God. You see, we've all gone through dry seasons where we feel disconnected from him. Seasons where we don't see revelation like we used to. And this can leave us wondering, how did this happen? How did I get here? And Paul's lessons and the rest of that text clarify that question for us. They tell us specifically what is missing and how did we get here? And more importantly, how do we overcome those dry seasons? How do we get out of those dry seasons? So maybe you find yourself in a place of spiritual sort of dryness right now. Where you feel in that season where you're just not connected to God. Or maybe you've just been there in the past and you want to know, how do I keep myself from falling back into that place? And I think that Paul's lessons give us the exact answers to those questions. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell so that next time we, as we close out this series, we can go through those specific things together and apply them spiritually and see what the answer is to overcoming those dry seasons. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss it. Thank you for joining us today.